I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. Yes, and on this episode, we are starting our second annual Animation April. And what will we be talking about this month? We are going to be talking about the eras of the history through Disney animation. Yeah, so just the different periods of Disney animation's history, uh, starting with the Golden Age and the Wartime Era, which are the first two eras that we will be talking about for this episode. Yes, later on we'll talk about the Dark the Silver Age, and then the Dark Age, and then the, the Disney Renaissance, and then the the Experimental Era, and then finally the Revival Era. Which is the current era, right? Yep. Okay, so before we get started, let's answer last week's trivia question. In the original Star Wars trilogy, Darth Vader was famously voiced by James Earl Jones, but he was physically portrayed by a different actor. What? is the name of that actor. That was David Prowse, who was most famous for playing Darth Vader, and he sadly passed away months ago back in November. He had quite of a, a storied history with Star Wars because he was under the impression that he would be voicing all the lines. And there's actually, you can find behind the scenes clips of him acting and doing all the lines. But Lucas decided to come in later and dub all of Vader's lines with uh, the voice of James Earl Jones. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so it was a bit messy. You know, he, he was famed for playing that role and giving it the gravitas. And David Prowse was a big guy, so he really lent uh, that kind of energy to the role of Vader. I know, and he did eventually retire before he passed away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so stick around to the end of this episode to get a new trivia question. For now, let's get started on our feature presentation. The Golden Age, like, early during Walt Disney's career after he did several shorts and years after he introduced Mickey Mouse, Goofy, Donald Duck, Minnie, and other characters in the night. Late 1930s and early 1940s. Yeah, I think between 1937 and 1942 is when the technical dates of the Golden Age for Disney animation. Uh, so obviously, Golden Age has a, su a suggestion that this is when Disney was, was at its peak. Can you tell us a little bit about what kind of movies uh, Disney was producing at this time? Like fairy tales or ones based on classic stories or books, which their very first feature was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And it was the very first full-length animated feature, as well as one of the very first movies in full color. And it was a huge hit at the time, right? Like, lots of critical acclaim, very popular with audiences. I know, and I, where I live is right near where the Carthay Circle Theater where, Car where Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs premiered used to be. Oh, that's awesome. It's very interesting because I think Snow White is, is such an iconic film, and it's, it really captures that iconic feel and style of Disney animation, especially during this first period. Yes, and how it feels with those old early classics that were different then. And there's the music, like Whistle While You Work, and then there's the Seven Dwarfs, who 
sing, who we all know, sing Hi Ho. And I think it really set the bar for Disney as a whole. Although the next few films in this Golden Age period didn't quite reach the same heights as Snow White. Yes, like their next feature, which came out just over two years later, was Pinocchio. And it was based on Carlo Collodi's famous novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio. It has Disney's most iconic song, When You Wish Upon a Star. When you wish upon a star as dreamers do. And I think it's nowadays it's iconic, but at the time it actually flopped at the box office. I know, but it took some time years to come to make it more successful. And fairly so, because I think uh, Snow White, if you look at that movie, the animation, it's not that it's simplistic, but it's definitely very simple, very straightforward. I think Pinocchio really ratcheted up the animation style, and it, and it feels really ambitious uh, as a film. Yes. Like, it had, like, the scary moments, like, when Pinocchio turns into a donkey, or when he encounters the the horrifying whale monstro. Yeah. And then following up on that, uh, similar in, in animation, uh, just ambitious animation, we had Fantasia. I know, Fantasia, which we've talked about before, an earlier episode when we talked about films that barely had dialogue. Mostly an orchestra playing, and then they're just animated parts playing over the music that kind of capture the feeling of these classic songs, or cla- this classical music. I know, and Fantasia was originally released in November of 1940. And uh, like Pinocchio, it did not do well. It was not well received. No, but but it did take years to come to make it more successful. Sure. And that's kind of what led to Dumbo, which we've actually also, we had an episode dedicated to Dumbo talking a little bit about that. So be sure to give that a listen if you want to know more about the history of Dumbo. But Dumbo was basically created to try to right the ship, so to speak. Yes, and it was Disney's first profitably successful film since Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah, and I think um, part of that is that the animation styles, at least between those two films, obviously a very different subject matters, but the animation styles were very, very similar, kind of pared down, very simple, very straightforward. It had, like, the pink elephants on parade. That's the one scene that's probably the exception to that statement. And it had the crows that are nowadays pretty stereotypically racist. Yeah, yeah. That's actually worth mentioning, is that obviously this period, you know, these films were being created in a different time. Some of the thinking and ideas present in these films are outdated, to say the least. Yeah, like Jim Crow and his fellow crow friends are very racist, and Disney Plus had released controversial warnings to some of their classics, like other cla- Dumbo and some other classics that depict things like Peter Pan, the Aristocats, and the Jungle Book. I'm sure we'll be talking more about that in, in the future, but for now, sticking with this, the last movie of the Golden Age was... Bambi! <laughs> Which I, I know for a lot of people, that's a very triggering movie, lots of childhood sadness. Yes, like Bambi's mom killed by man which is which we all remember is heartbreaking and sad yeah but you you told me a fact that i actually thought was really interesting about that movie when they were trying to animate the animals 
they were brought real life deer to the studio to sort of get a sense of how they moved, how they acted and try to replicate that on the screen. Yes, I know. This and Dumbo are two of Sterling Holloway's first Disney voice roles, who's done many multiple voices in different features and shorts. Mm-hmm. For Disney, you mean? Yes, that's what Sterling Holloway was famous for. Like the stork and Dumbo he voiced, and, and he voiced adult Blower the Skunk and Bambi. Okay, yeah. And then there's another fact that I think is worth mentioning, and you kind of alluded to this at the beginning when we started talking about this period, but all of these films, in some way, were adaptations. It's based on a novel by Felix Sultan. The Bambi. Bambi, A Life in the Woods. Yeah, Pinocchio, Bambi were based on books. Fantasia was pulled from many different myths and legends. And Snow White, of course, the fairy tale from Brothers Grimm. But Dumbo is also based on a book. We haven't seen original content from Disney yet, but I think we'll see a little bit more of that in the next period that we'll be talking about, which is the wartime era. From 1943 until 1949. And tell us a little bit about that era. It was during the time of World War II, like the time, like, although it's not, doesn't count as one of the animated features... Disney did do one that was called The Reluctant Dragon during the time of World War II. There are a couple of films that came out at that time that were hybrid films. And then and there's also Victory Through Air Power, Song of the South, and So Dear to My Heart, which were four hybrid films made during the time of the war. Well, I, I guess I should have said at the beginning, be ready to <laughs> hear a lot of films you probably have not heard about. Which I think is interesting. Song of the South, I think, is the exception to that one. But for not great reasons, uh, it's kind of been blacklisted by Disney because of its depiction of slaves, which it's just bluntly offensive. I know. But uh, there is a characteristic that you're telling me about, Ezra, that defines most of the films that came out at this time. Yes, like the first two were Saludos Amigos and The Three Caballeros which depicted Brazilian and Mexican culture in those movies. Something to mention, and I want to go into that a little bit more because I actually find that really fascinating. But something else to mention is that these were not uh, full-length feature films. They were package films. Like, or compilation movies. They had more than one segment as part of each feature. Like two or three short films stuck together uh, to create a full-length feature. Yes, that's right. Saludos Amigos was the first appearance of Jose Carioca, a Brazilian cigar-smoking parrot who's also a friend of Donald Duck. And then Three Caballeros uh, introduced a rooster character? Yes, named Panchito Pistoles from Mexico. I was really fascinated when I was reading up on this. I was very curious, like, Obviously, it's really cool that they have, like, Latino representation all the way back then. But I'm like, what What started that? Why Why was that the case? And as I was digging into the history, apparently the reason why is that it was related to the war. At the time, the, a lot of Latin American countries, unfortunately, had ties to Nazi Germany. And mm. the U.S. government decided that... They basically were going to produce propaganda uh, espousing the merits of America to these Latin American countries. 
and they asked Disney Animation to produce these films to distribute in South America and Central America. Yeah, I know that the three Caballeros did make later appearances in the show House of Mouse, as well as in the DuckTales reboot, as well as in their own show called Legend of the Three Caballeros. Oh, that's awesome. It's just really fascinating to see how the impact the wartime period had on the films that were being made. But otherwise, uh, other than those films, the package films that came after were more standard fare, I guess. I see. Interesting. Yes. Like after those ones was Make Mine Music, which featured different musical segments, like based on famous what famous songs like Casey at Bat <laughs> or Peter and the Wolf. And it was a musical and it had dancing and singing. And then a, another film that came out after that uh, was similar, uh, Melody Time. Yes, it came out a couple years later. That one had Jose Carioca from The Three Caballeros in it. Mm-hmm. This film was had a cowboy in it riding a horse. It also had Little Toot, which was based on a classic children's book by Hardy Graham Grammelke. And then there were two more package films that came out, the first one being Fun and Fancy Free. That one had, was a package film, and it had Edgar Bergen, who was a famous ventriloquist in it, and it had two of his dummies in it, and also Dinah Shore. Dinah Shore was the narrator of the first segment, called Bongo, about a bear who came from a circus in captivity into the wild in the wilderness, and fell in love with a girl bear named Lulabelle. And the host of that film was Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio. And in one scene, Cleo the goldfish from Pinocchio appears in the beginning, making a cameo. Then Edgar Bergen, he narrates the second segment, Mickey and the Beanstalk, which was a retelling of the classic story of Jack and the Beanstalk we all know. This movie especially was really borrowing from the same kind of uh, tradition of the Golden Age, of taking classic fairy tales or classic stories and adapting them for for modern audiences, which is actually a trend that follows with the next and last package film of the era, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yes, and the two segments were The Wind in the Willows, based on the famous novel by Kenneth Graham, about Mr. Toad and who's obsessed with cars and vehicles, and he goes to court and it inspired the famous disneyland and former disney world attraction mr toad's wild ride yeah which is uh, also something we talked about on a previous episode and then the legend of sleepy hollow by washington irving about ichabod Crit, based on washington irving's famous scary horror story <laughs> about the headless horseman mm-hmm. like ichabod crane i remember i know that uh who was in this film was bing crosby mm, yeah who was famous for doing Christmas songs. And I know that this was the last package film until 1977's The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And many of the segments from these package films later became separate standalone shorts. A lot of these films had a long shelf life, so to speak, even though they kind of, especially nowadays, they're not as well known. Yeah, I know. But it's I know it's interesting that later segment the segments later became standalone shorts. Yeah, but I think a noteworthy thing is that, you know, this is the first time that they produced that Disney produced completely original 
films, not based on any source material necessarily. And I think it's interesting to see it as a stepping stone for later eras that come after the war ended. I know, yes, like, which we'll talk about next, the Silver Age and the Dark Age. Yeah, very, very ominous with that Dark Age, but we'll get more into that in next week's episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. In the meantime, let's get a trivia question from Ezra. Although The Three Caballeros is not among Disney's most well-known films, it did inspire a ride at Epcot. What is the name of that ride? Okay, so if you know the answer, give us a shout on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! See you later. Bye.